Our This Week in XR podcast is sponsored by our friends at Sapper, the world's leading augmented reality platform and creative studio. With over 11 years of experience working with the world's biggest brands through Zapper Creative Studio. Zapper also has an award-winning web AR platform, Zapworks, that lets you create your own mobile AR magic. Finally, check out their Zap Box, the most affordable mixed reality headset on the planet. Start creating AR over at zap.works or talk to them about your next AR project at zapper.com. Good morning, everybody. I'm Charlie Fink with Roni Abovitz and Ted Shilowitz. It's This Week in XR. It's March 31st, uh, 2023. What the hell? Where does the time go? Yeah, it's almost NAB, almost the time for the big National Association of Broadcasters conference, which is 100 years old uh, this year, which is shocking because I think I've been going to it for probably 20 Since the radio years. guys. <laughs> Used to be the radio guys. Now it's the TV and movie guys. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you said in the, when we were in the green room that that you were going to be doing uh, a keynote. I am doing a keynote, uh, and you know, I, I I think I can just make this the the scoop, even though it's it's let's do it so far. So uh, you both know, and this is because of Roni. I've become um, close friends with David Copperfield, the very famous, uh, world-renowned magician that uh, has his residency in Vegas at the MGM. He and I are buddies. Uh, and uh, because of an impromptu thing last year, so there's a bit of a story to this. Um, last year uh, at NAB, uh, when we were kind of you know emerging out of the the COVID cocoon and people were still nervous and stuff, it was the first kind of you know like Southwest, right? Uh, South by Southwest is like things are starting to get back. Some people are going in person that really needed to be there, so that was last year's NAB. Uh, I had a, a talk with Google, and one of the guys uh, that was doing the talk got got sick, got COVID, so he couldn't do it. And David and I were just hanging out because that's what we do when we're in Vegas together. And, um, I looked at him, he looked at me, and I'm like, there's an empty chair. And he went, okay, I'll do it. So he came up and impromptu, he sat in on this session, which was kind of like in the back of the hall, was a minor you know, tech thing. And before you knew it, all these people were like, I think Ted is talking to like David Copperfield. And uh, a lot of people came and it was fun. So this year, because it was so much fun, he's like, yeah, I'll do it again with you if you want. So we've upped the ante um with uh, uh this group called mesa which is part of the the nab collective uh, guy finley runs it um and uh david and i are going to do a um a talk together at the sahara at one o'clock on uh monday um so uh we're we're going to do a bit of a high wire act which charlie you know this story with me is it could be great or it could be a trend wreck because uh you know <laughs> testing all kinds of new technology but you're a master at vamping if it is <laughs> right. well, it'll be good work, I can just kick it around and you know even if it doesn't work people tend to tend to enjoy it because you're taking a risk and you're not playing it safe so uh if you're interested in in seeing us uh this is the first time that there's a, a link that explains that I'm doing something around like magic, the magic of television, but it doesn't actually mention David. Uh, probably this week we'll mention that uh, that he's uh, going to be my my partner in crime. So it'll be a lot of fun. So I hope everybody comes Monday at one o'clock, the April seventeenth. So awesome. our guest today was supposed to be Sebastian Bourget, who is the founder and CEO of Sandbox, not to be confused with the Sandbox location-based VR uh, centers that we were discussing last week, but this is Sandbox Online and they are decidedly not VR, although they have a kind of metaverse 
uh, connected, you know, 3D virtual worlds. Uh, so they certainly have a lot to do with this podcast and and perhaps the future of the internet. Um, so we yeah, can't get Sebastian. He's in, he's in Hong Kong. We're going to have Mathayu Nuzareth. Uh, sorry, Mathayu, for uh, pronouncing, massacring your name. Um, but we're going to get him later. I think I'm going to have to do a solo interview as after we scatter uh, from this morning's news. So uh, that's the plan there. there so three of us will just do the news this morning. A lot, of, a lot to talk about this week. Yeah, they're, they're, Sandbox is one of the folks doing uh, virtual land and earn-to-play gaming. So that's, that, that's their sort of Yes, sector. they have their own cryptocurrency called Sand, uh, and they sell virtual land. Uh, or, or rent it or whatever. And I guess we'll hear more, more about that later, uh, but it's an interesting business plan. Um, you know, so assuming they can get the people in there, um, you know, it could be a thing, but they're so small compared to Fortnite. And that of course was one of the lead stories this week because following what Roni and I were talking about at the top of last week's show, I mean, as you unpack what Epic is doing here, they are building a creator economy. They're building a metaverse. There are multiple ways that participants can get paid. Uh, you know, they're going to have obviously some kind of a banking system, uh, which will generate revenue for them. Uh, there's been some speculation that the revenue that they were making on skins is not what it was. So they need new revenue streams. It just seems like really well-timed, really big announcement. This idea you could use uh, you know, Unreal Engine uh, to build places with the assets you buy from their asset store. It's just, you know, they're building the Oasis, you know, headset not required. And mm -hmm. I, I just think this is a really big thing. I'm not sure people outside games and outside, uh, you know, XR really understand the scope of what's going on here. They've got, you know, almost 100 million monthly uniques and I think 350 million accounts. So this is, you know, it's it, it's going to be hard, I think for smaller metaverses like sandbox to attract you know the scale of you know it's you cannot imitate the scale of fortnite yeah i mean you know this is this is uh, i think something that came out of gdc right the game developers conference where yep. they announced the the epic guys do a big big keynote and you know look at the thing about tim sweeney is he is not afraid i have i have never seen tim sweeney back off from anything that he believes in uh, as, as the future trajectory of where things are going. And whether he'll admit it or not, clearly he has learned from the overwhelming success of Roblox. So the way I sort of look at this is UGC is the next uh, sort of landscape of monetization, right? Uh, has been proven well by Roblox, but Roblox tends to live in a demographic that is fairly young, right? Uh, and Fortnite ages up from there. Uh, so we know that Roblox is experimenting and dancing around how do they keep their people on their platform as they get older. Fortnite is saying, how do they migrate those people from Roblox into Fortnite? Um, and there are there's some crazy statistic about how many worlds, UGC worlds in Fortnite with this Fortnite uh, engine that they're uh, now released are being built. It's like in the millions already, you know, and yep. and uh, it's just mind boggling. They said half the time on the platform is spent in those worlds on Fortnite. Creative. Other people's worlds. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, look, guys, one of the really amazing things about Tim, I've known him for, for many, many years, is that he 
is an amazing game designer, game theorist, right? So he not only knows how to design games in Fortnite, he knows the game he's playing against companies like Apple and others. So there's a bigger game and he's applying game theory there. Mm. He is not driven only by financial motivation. Whereas the people he's competing against are driven largely by that, but he could bring this like founder imperative. And if you really know Tim, he comes from this ethic of like, what computing and gaming is supposed to be. There was like, you know, think if you look back at like gaming in the 80s and 90s and, and 2000s, like what was more open, um, there's certain like hacker ethics about like shareability and bringing in community that are really um, these interesting philosophical ideas he's bringing into this company at now a real scale, right? He was always thinking about that, always doing it, but no one was listening to him. Yeah. Now he's at a scale where he gets to try it out a real global economic uh, change. It's kind of amazing. So I think he's one of the leading hopes for, by the way, uh, I'll just say this here. What Tim is building is not the metaverse. He's building his portion of the metaverse, which might inspire others to realize like, this is a good example of the way forward. The metaverse would be really big, lots of pockets. This is Tim's corner of the metaverse. Mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. doing a really good job at it. Yeah, and it's a pretty big corner. It's it's not a yeah. small corner. Yeah. It's, it's it's a galaxy, you know, but yeah, it's, it's not a galaxy. Yeah. It's a galaxy. <laughs> so the other thing in the news today, which we talk about every week because it won't go away, is of course WWDC, the Apple Developer Conference, will finally feature uh, the uh, whatever reality one, you know, iOS uh, reality iOS uh, will be the star of the show. Nice, Ronnie. <laughs> Yeah. Exclusive only nice. for yeah, listening. We're there, seeing there. it right now. That's it. I mean, that's actually the the Roni, for those of you listening at home, has just put on some AR ski goggles. <laughs> uh, and they're floating in front of his face as if they were the Apple uh, XR glasses, which are still, by the way, the, uh, no picture of them has emerged. Except uh, for now. This is now this is the there it is. Global exclusive, right? I, I don't know how this giant company keeps its secrets. It is amazing. I I hope well, they, they don't gonna, this is the scoop. We've beat the information. We beat everybody. <laughs> the you know, I hope that they will go out of their way to frame this three thousand dollar headset as mostly a developer unit and a prosumer unit and actually kind of discourage people from buying it. I think, you know, over-promising is a mistake uh, that a lot of people have made. It, you know, they need to justify that price. That's not a normal price. Uh, and it's going to make a lot of people kind of dismissive as they many already are. So I just think it would be wise for them to minimize their promises and try and explain the exorbitant price. Can I challenge that for a second? Like if you walk into an Apple store, there are $5,000 monitors they sell, $6,000 monitors. If you want to get the Apple Pro workstation, or if you want to get a fully loaded iMac Pro, you can end up spending $8,000. So Apple plays in price points yeah. at the MacBook Pro laptop and above. You That's can, a good you point. Max up for, I say, $3,000 to over $10,000. Now, <laughs> pretty exotic. Okay. But they have these like pro folks, probably Ted is one of them. No, it's true. You walk in there and they've got, you know, the jewel encrusted Cartier iWatch. So, I mean, people are buying those. And yeah. so if they only want to sell a couple of hundred thousand. Well, look, even today, you know, outside of like amortizing the price through your monthly deal with your carrier, 
your iPhone Pro is like $1,300, right? And it's been around for 20 years now, right? So, you know, it's not, it's not 300 bucks to buy an iPhone, right? And that's a very mature product category because people just don't realize it because it just gets built into their plan. But if you went and just bought one unlocked retail, like you said, oh, I want to go buy an iPhone today. It's not going to cost you $299. It's going to cost you like, you know, between the, the price and plus tax, it's going to be $1,500. Bucks. So, oh, wait, here's the other piece. They're setting a price point and people think, well, at real scale, they're going to drop it down. No, your <laughs> MacBook Pro still costs $2,800 for the last decade, right. right? It's probably going to have, it's probably going to go up. And eventually there's going to be like, um, you know, like maybe the, when they're at Gen 5, you'll get like the Gen 1 tech yes. at like $1,000. <laughs> okay. But it is, they're not going for like the $300 Facebook thing because no, they're not. <laughs> I think the reality is you cannot build great tech at the Apple quality level, or I would say at the Magic Leap 2 quality level. Uh, I think that's the other ethic at, at that at that low price point. It's just, you're just going to use garbage components. And that's what you see at the, few hundred dollars at but at the few thousand dollars you're building amazing tech and that's that's probably going to separate the market for a while but you, you guys know what i know apple is literally the most profitable company on planet earth right they are they are the the pinnacle of profitability as a company they have figured out how to make something aspirational and keep it aspirational and not really have to lower the price point of their entire sort of lineup. And by, by the way, guys, why are we thinking $3,000 is a lot of money? I'm just going to put that out. <laughs> or a population will spend 80 to $150,000 on a Tesla. Right. Yeah. Apple's probably thinking right. everyone I that stand, bought it. I stand corrected. Um, <laughs> we could be corrected. I'm sorry. You could be totally wrong. You could be totally wrong. All right, so move, moving on to uh, an interesting tidbit that everybody was talking about because it's so juicy. Disney acts as the metaverse group. That should be, again, a surprise to absolutely no one. They've already got a bunch of metaverses. Linking them all together would have been a political feat uh, akin to getting Mike White elected president of the United States. So uh, sorry for all the people who lost their jobs. It was a dumb idea. Uh, if anybody could do it, Mike White probably could, but I, it, that was a mission that never could be accomplished. So I, I don't even, they got started. I think Iger came in and said, what? Yeah, well, I mean, you're, 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 you're on the right, the, the right topic. They, they already have a group that builds things that, you know, outside of the nomenclature that, of course, is a big frustration for me. It's called Imagineering. And Imagineering understands how to do these things. They already have an employee base and they didn't really need to have another employee base on top of that employee base. So at the end of the day, it makes sense. And, you know, I think a lot yeah, of this- That's really just... important because the news is wrongly reporting that Disney's like out of the metaverse business, right. but Imagineering, no. X Labs at Lucasfilm, no. Disney exactly. Research, they're completely into this. Exactly. There's just no need for an Uber metaverse. And and I don't think those fiefdoms in particular were, were going to- play nice. I just don't, I think the Star Wars universe is hermetically sealed and they don't want to be connected to the Marvel metaverse or the Disney metaverse. Um, you know, they're a, they're a metaverse unto themselves. I mean, Disney is the original metaverse, you know, yes, they, they, right. they, they have Adventureland, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, all the other different lands that you could go to fantasy land and so forth. Um, so, uh, Pico, yeah, that's uh, in the news this week, it, it came right? out, they brought in the 
CEO um, of ByteDance uh, to testify in front of Congress, uh, Shuzi Chu, and he absolutely fumbled the ball and the grilling was a made for TV, uh, you know, uh, uh, shark frenzy. Uh, so I, I don't know. Do you guys think really TikTok could be banned? And what would happen to Pico then? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm of two minds on this. I I I listen to the political dynamics of it uh, with some chagrin, and I and I kind of like. I think at the end of the day, as much as maybe there is something there, like. This is a, it's a bit of a nuanced argument. There is definitely an awareness and a concern of very smart people that tech platforms, regardless of where they come from, regardless of where their, their origin story is, um, uh, tend to have uh, nefarious goals, right? And, and tend to be these for-profit monsters, profit first, that use algorithms uh, in very scary ways. This is what we've seen with social media across the board, right? Um, but I... You know, that's very just say this kind of stuff. But I personally don't think TikTok is going out of their way to do this. I think they've got better things to do. They're they're busy making boatloads of cash on kids goofing around on this platform. Um, and I guess it's always important to be concerned and aware of these things. And maybe I'll correct myself someday when I go, oh, wow, boy, I didn't realize they were really doing that. Uh, I just don't think they're really doing that. That's my that's my opinion. I don't know if you guys agree or disagree. Could I, could I throw a counter, Ted? Um, yeah. I think there's two things happening simultaneously. Uh, one is there's like, no one should have a doubt that China is emerging and has emerged as the only real superpower to challenge the United States. Sure. And what's happening is, what is that new equilibrium? There's some great books uh, on it. We won't go into that today, but um, I actually experienced some of this at Magically, that U.S.-China uh, tension. And the reality is the world, for the sake of peace, needs these two superpowers to get to an equilibrium. TikTok is two things. It's an amazingly cool business that a lot of American kids and, and, and adults like. It is also, though, it is impossible to not realize this, it is also a way for China to probe the United States. It is a massive information gathering system. And unlike what the US does, where we believe private companies, even though they're not perfect on data, they're not like government control arms. Uh, there's zero probability that any major company in China exists outside the control of the government. When when President Xi took office, he just ended that. Right. Like the Chinese government has control over all of its major companies. It just that's just that's just the way the country runs. It's a centrally controlled uh, economy um, with the appearance of capitalism, right? So they're basically showing. You could be successful in this new model. They can, you can build amazing, big, capitalistic companies with central authority control. That's the model that's opposing American democracy and free market. And TikTok is like probing us in that interesting way while it's also entertaining us. So we're in this weird indeterminate state where what's our equilibrium and what do we do about companies like that? And I think we have to find a way to like make peace with them. Like China's not going away. This is, this is probably way out of the scope of the podcast, but like TikTok <laughs> is a tiny signal of a much bigger issue of the US and China trying to find global e equilibrium, who does what. And as a superpower, we are going to have to make room for another one, hopefully without going into a giant war. Uh, and there's a great book, uh, Graham Allison, about this equilibrium state and 
20 or 30% of the time in civil in the last thousands of years, superpowers reach an equilibrium without a war. 70% plus, I, I got to check the data again, but it was like that kind of majority. They had to have a war to determine that equilibrium. We want to avoid that. And I think TikTok is at the tip of the spear of that issue. That's, that's, that's the scary part. Yeah, I, mean, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I guess the thing that just in the back of my head, and, and maybe it's just a naivete, and maybe because they're, you know, what, what do they say is the, uh, that phrase about the devil that, uh, you know, the, the devil's best trick is making you believe he isn't real. That, that, uh, that <laughs> phrase, I'm butchering that, but, you know, so maybe that's there. But I just feel like, you know, China's just got better things to do than monkey around with TikTok. I, I totally get that there's the, the government vein that keeps an eye on it, but I've been to China so many times and have seen just the, the, the insanity of what China is. Um, I, there's something in the back of my head that says I, it's, it's, it's much ado about the, nothing. The That's only thing, my, the only uh, thing that I, there are two things I think that we have to be cognizant of is that social media news feeds can influence us in ways of which we are not aware. Right. And that is not hard to do. And, and that, that's not a China and, thing. And that's what, a, and, that's an right, that's right. That's not just a China thing. But that's my point. to think a Chinese company is doing that also is yeah. concerning. And here's the thing, okay? So they know that big deal, right? They can do that big deal. It's all about selling nicer underwear. But, yeah. Yeah. but during a presidential election where it's close and you have a preference, you can manipulate that system to sell something other than underwear. Yes, absolutely. Which and so that's, that's really where I think my personal concern lies. They just have to put their thumb on the scale for a few weeks. It's almost impossible sure. to detect. You know, they can find the right people, they can influence them in scientific ways. And, you know, that's a little terrifying. It's terrifying that Facebook and Twitter can do it. And it's yeah. terrifying that TikTok could do it. And the fact yeah. that, you know, uh, you know, and yeah, I mean, I have a concern about it, uh, Elon Musk doing it, and I have a concern about the Chinese government doing it because neither of them are elected. There is no way to check their activities. You know, we're you know we're talking about an activity which is not necessarily criminal, right? It's but not so I, criminal I to influence this? people unless you're a foreign government. Let, let's loop this back to XR in the metaverse for a second. The one of the things I learned that requires a lot of caution and guardrails is that these systems, the early systems like social media at scale, and then deeper rich metaverse systems when they go to scale, highly influence and shape your brain, which means a small amount of people can effectively shape the behavior somewhat subconsciously, somewhat without them even realizing little micro influence by micro influence to do things that they may not know want to do to buy things they may not want to want to vote for people that's not democracy that's people hacking our democracy so <laughs> there's a bigger question how do you make our democracy safe computationally not this podcast but you've raised the question with tiktok so we went yeah. there no that's a great point let me one last thing before before we go and then i'll interview uh, our guest from sandbox matthio um i saw uh, on tuesday night one of the 10 best things I've ever seen, ever experienced in VR. Yeah, you had high marks for this, Charlie. Oh you my God. Good. And I have to tell you, it was completely unexpected. Wow. Because here's this kind of stodgy, I'm sorry, David Whalen, stodgy uh, social platform for education. I use it for some of my classes. In fact, yeah. you're with us on Monday. You may have to meet us and engage. Yeah, that's fine. And, and 
you know, and they're trying to build a business metaverse. Um, so, you know, this is not a website or a VR destination that one identifies with entertainment. Um, you know, they have metaversities, they don't have the entertainment, yet they put together this event, which they started planning back during COVID, uh, which is a VR concert starring Fatboy Slim. So I thought, oh, well, that's like typical of Engage. Fatboy Slim, a guy who hasn't been relevant in 30 years. Right? So, okay. So I had pretty low expectations. I wasn't even sure why they were doing it, but I like those guys. And, you know, Chris Madsen, who's their US community guy, got on everybody and he pulled every personal favor he could to fill up this room with, with press and influencers and you know all sorts of people that we know and people who have been on this show uh, were there. Um, and so I would say, if you can amaze the Technorati, every time there was a scene change, everybody gasped. I mean, I have never had an experience like that in VR. Hmm. Um, you know, so, I, you know, it's funny because- What headset know, were you wearing? What was I, I was just, I, I was just wearing my Quest Pro. I was nothing special. I, I saw some people were in there with PCs. It's obviously going to be a markedly better experience with better graphics. And if I thought it was a big deal, you know what? I, I would have linked it up so I could get the better graphics. But it was amazing. And it really was things that could only be done in VR. They played with scale. There were crazy interactive things. You could ride piggyback on a gorilla, um, you know, or get beamed up into a spaceship. It was unbelievable. So, uh, and so the whole Charlie, time was dancing. Did they finally solve working in the medium instead of trying to copy paste from yes. others? Yes, that's my point. It was native to the medium. So it's funny. So David Whalen has caught lightning in a bottle. And, you know, here's the story. What the hell is this guy going to do now that he's kind of hacked the code for music in the metaverse? Well, there probably be other musical artists that'll be like, that's the one I, they, they don't want to go to Horizons. They want to go to yeah. Engage. You know, oh, yeah. That's the plan. I, mean, I, I, I was, uh, I just, I, I'm still walking around saying, what just happened? What but is going to happen with this? For, so, for someone that works the entertainment business and understands what a hit means, they got themselves a hit. Good on them. And now, you know, they'll see if they can capitalize. This is, but this is how it happens, right? Yeah. This is how it happens. They could end up being, you know, the metaverse. Place. Yeah. Yeah. And starting out as something completely different, just like pivoting to what people really want, what can scale. This is a concert that can scale. They could, you know, there's no, nothing about it is live, you know, except for the people participating. Yeah. So it was like Travis Scott in Fortnite. Um, but it was in VR, which is m so much more powerful than a 2D screen. And I loved that Travis Scott thing. I thought it was amazing. But uh, this was like pretty amazing too. So um, hopefully people will have a chance to do it soon. Um, you know, it's obviously computationally expensive for them. So they have to figure out the economics around it. Uh, but I'm telling you, artistically, the studio guys that engage really got to get off. And they worked apparently Norman, uh, whatever his name is, who is Fatboy Slim, really got into it yeah. and was brainstorming with them. They were taking a lot of the iconography out of his famous music videos, which you know I've never seen. Of course, everybody knows, you know, Funk Soul Brother and all the other hits that he did, which are still fun as hell. And they were also sort of rave mix versions of them. So, you know, there was a little freshness to it there, I thought. Uh, and so good on Fatboy Slim. Again, expectations were low, 
that partly may be why I was so amazed. But the other thing that I picked up on while it was going on is, oh my God, all these other people are also amazed. So, so Roni, do you think Tim Sweeney is proud of what he's started and that others are evolving and maybe one upping him? Or do you think you know him pretty well? Is he going back to the well? Is he with all his developers this morning going, this little thing <laughs> made more news than us this week? What the hell is going on? How, you know, like, what's your take on how he's reacting and how his team is reacting to something like this? Which is, you know, a small number of people obviously saw it compared to what what uh, probably Scott less or, than 500 people saw right, it. Right, 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 right. Well, I, look, I, I don't, I don't think someone like Tim is threatened by this. I think what they're going to do is like they do have a big music initiative. Mm -hmm. Someone from Epic is going to study this mm -hmm. and go, all right, how do we incorporate that now into like uh, you know UE Fortnite? Right. That's that's what they're thinking. Like they're going to be like, oh great, someone is like going native and and understanding how to do things even more than we did with Travis Scott. Like we want to bring that into our world. I think that's, they're not going to be threatened. They're going to be like, let's rapidly adopt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I just, it does show the potential of music and the power of music to create experiences uh, in the metaverse. And it brings, and the power of music to bring people together. So is it guys, I know that. Yeah. Bye bye, Charlie. I love this because I am working with one of the big music labels on a music XR thing, which I can't talk about. So this was not. You guys do all the fun you stuff. This up. You guys can't ever talk about the fun stuff you're doing. Rody doesn't even. Rody just. Uh, isn't uh, I mean, I, I don't know. You know, I mean, all this secrecy <laughs> is kind of hurts my feelings. I have to say, you know, Rody you guys get to be the cool kids, and I'm the guy sitting in front of my computer actually working. How the how did that work out? <laughs> yeah. Well. All right, well, gentlemen. It is it is fun every Friday to chat with you. Um, have a great weekend and uh, let me get on to this interview. Uh, those of you, uh, stick with us for the discussion about the sandbox. See you. Matthew Newsret. Did I get that right? Matthew Newsret? Almost. Close it. Exactly. That's <laughs> the close the CEO Hi. of Sandbox US. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's great to have you on the podcast. Well, thank you. I'm very excited to be here today. I'm I'm surprised our paths have not crossed sooner. Um, you're so accomplished in so many aspects of new technology. It's almost hard to know where to start. So let's start with the sandbox and kind of work backwards from there. Um, tell us a little bit more about uh, what the sandbox is. We had the guy from Sandbox VR, the um, you know VR oh, yeah, simulation yeah. centers called Sandbox that are popping up in malls around the US and overseas. And I know that's created some uh, confusion, but I would say the Sandbox that you represent is actually much better known. Um, it's, it uh, is, yes. it's a virtual world, if I'm describing it correctly, that's been around for two years now. Um, Greg, you have your own, yeah. your own virtual economy and cryptocurrency and uh, a lot of celebrities backing it and other high-profile investors. Exactly. So the Sandbox is probably the largest Web3 metaverse. And, and everyone knows, you know, what a metaverse is. It's like this virtual space where you have an avatar of yourself and you can wander around the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the metaverse and you can play games, you can meet with friends, you can have social experiences, listen to music, attending concerts and the likes. And it's Web3 because, yes, we have our own economy. Uh, we have uh, uh, our own token. 
And it's pretty important for us because we feel that if, if you know, as people spend more and more time online and, and, and you know, as, as our digital life is becoming more and more important, we want creators and users to really own uh, uh, what they're doing or what they're buying. And, and we're doing this through, the, um, through our uh, uh, cryptocurrency, the, uh, the SEND token. So people keep your token in their uh, MetaMask wallet and it entitles them to certain privileges inside of Sandbox? So uh, the, the SEND token is really a, a mostly utility token for uh, uh, creators on the one hand to sell their creation. So you can be, you know, creating an item, you can be creating an avatar, you can be creating a full-fledged experience. And you sell these to consumers and to users, and you sell in, these. In an, is there an asset store? store? Is there an asset? Yeah, there store? is an exactly. There is an asset store. Exactly, you do this to an asset store. So, uh, you 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 know you list those items to the asset store, and then users come and choose. You know, and you list the price and describe what they do, what they look like, and and right. and, and consumers and gamers can come and, and buy those. And and for users, for for players, the the cent token is the way you actually buy. Uh, item in the game, or you buy, you know, skins or avatars or items in the game. It's pretty simple. And and of course, sand this currency can be exchanged for for fiat currency at any time it on can, the exchange. Yes, it, 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 and we we don't do that ourselves. We rely on third right. party exchangers. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. yes, you can exchange, you know, the sand for other uh, uh, cryptocurrencies, or you can, you know, sell it uh, uh, for. Yeah, which is like US dollars or euros or right. you know, British pound, whatever. Right. Um, and um so one thing that that um these new metaverses like sandbox are up against is established players like Fortnite. And you know, Epic made all those announcements. So you're fighting against enormous scale. So what is the strategy for for a you know small or a new, I should say, um company like sandbox to really uh achieve that scale so you can compete against those giant companies yeah. so first of all i have to say those companies you know we we you know uh great respect for those big companies for what are essentially web to metaverse right the metaverse yes. is not new and even you had even web one maybe with, with second life a long time ago and yes and then you have a Fortnite and roblox and others building amazing businesses great great product that are mm -hmm. you know really greatly admire uh on our side we are coming from a different angle and the big difference is really the web three element inside the sandbox and as i was saying the uh, um, uh, the big difference is that you it's the digital ownership right mm -hmm. now in a web two metaverse uh, uh the creators when they create something of course they can sell it to um uh, they can sell it to consumers uh, uh, but they don't really own it and the consumers don't really own it. Everything belongs to the Web2 platform at the end of right. the day. Sure. And the Web2 platform can really change, you know, their terms of condition or they can decide to, you know, mm -hmm. move some of your content and so on. So that's, that's one fundamental difference. Mm -hmm. And the other big advantage of, of, you know, relying on Web3 as opposed to a Web2 engine is that the, the, the Web3, uh, um, ecosystem is really, it's more inter interoperable with other metaverse. Right now, if you work in, in, or if you create content in Fortnite, it's very much siloed into Fortnite. Right. And it's it's not easy to export your content no. to other metaverse or to import 
no. content into in, into those uh, metaverse. And Web3 is much more open. Web3 is much more interoperable. And the reason is because Web3 is not a zero-sum game. We all gain in the Web3 space by working together, including competitors sometimes, because the pie is growing. And as opposed to Web2, where Web2 is still a zero-sum game. I mean, I come from Web2. I was doing mobile gaming before. And and uh, and yeah, you know, uh, when the pie doesn't grow anymore, you just find. Yeah, well, we should we should get into your background because you've you've done so many things in the past twenty years. Uh, it's or actually the past thirty years, right? I mean, you've been doing this since almost the yeah. yeah yeah since nineteen ninety five. Yeah, I created <laughs> five companies over the past thirty years and and sold three and and two went public and mostly in gaming and cryptocurrency. So that's why you know I've, I've been a board member for for the Sandbox for quite some time and. And I was super happy to join you know, full time uh, early early last year. And what does it mean to go from being a board member to being full time? They made up this title of CEO of US to differentiate your work from Sebastian's. So yes, can you CEO tell us a little CEO, bit yeah. about how how the structure works for Sandbox. Yeah, I mean, US the US is our biggest market by far. This is where we have the, the most users and the most revenues. It's not the only one, obviously, but and and what really focus a lot on this. And hence me, you know, coming in and 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 build US operations uh, almost from scratch. How big are you now? So the the sandbox is a few hundred people uh, throughout the world. Uh, uh, we have offices in 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 the US. The, the headquarter in the US is Los Angeles, but also we have Buenos Aires and Uruguay, Paris, London, Hamburg, Seoul, uh, uh, Tokyo, Hong Kong. I mean, we are. Literally not everywhere, but we are, we are in a lot of places. And I think it and are those where you have remote workers, or you actually have office space? No, we have, we have office space, and then we have remote workers in even more countries. Um, and and I think just reflects you know the, the global nature of of Web three and and tech in general. And mm -hmm. we have users and creators really you know all over the globe. Um, now how is um is Sandbox uh upgraded its graphics. I think the one thing from Sandbox that everybody knows is the music video that Snoop Dogg made like two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So um, are things getting upgraded from there? Is that one of the they, projects you've got going? No, I mean, not not really. I mean, so if you if you haven't seen the, the Sandbox, we have what we call a voxel style. So if you don't know what it is, it's looks a little bit like Minecraft in a way. It's in between Minecraft and maybe Roblox mm -hmm. to give you an idea. And it's those those boxes. And and the reason we chose that are are uh, uh, many reasons why we chose that. The first one is that A, we really like the look and feel. Mm -hmm. We think it's very, very cool. Uh B, but and we're not photorealistic, right? And it, it's really on purpose. Some mm -hmm. of some metaverse have decided to be what we call high definition or photorealistic. And we've decided to go another path and and uh, and have this you know uh, boxy style if you want, and and as I said, it's very cool. B, it also forces us and our partners to focus on the narrative and the storytelling instead of focusing on the rendering. Uh, and I think people are much much more creative that way. And third, because we rely a lot on UGC, which stands for user generated content, right. Uh, 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 it's way, way easier to create content from uh, basically assembling, you know, blocks, a bit, a bit like Lego blocks, if you will, right. as opposed to creating high definition content or photorealistic content, which require, you know, uh, professional teams yes. very often 
big teams. So we, mm-hmm. the goal for us is to really tap into a very big pool of talent, mm-hmm. non-professional people. Uh, 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 and that's why we chose, you know, this, you know, voxel style. So I wanted to talk about your background uh, a little bit, uh, just because it's so fascinating, starting with your uh, investment in a crypto, carbon neutral crypto mining. Um, yes, which, uh, which sounds like a really, really uh, exciting idea. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I don't want to go too far off the sandbox conversation, but that one, carbon neutral uh, crypto mining, caught my attention. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've always been passionate about, not always, but I've been passionate about cryptocurrencies since the mid-teens, you know, in, in 2015, 2016, and in 2017, I decided to create a, a crypto mining company in Canada using renewable energy in Quebec, more exactly, and and was very important for me that uh, it was carbon neutral. Uh, and uh, yeah, and you know, we, we started a company with my brother and, and company's doing well, it's publicly traded and, and it's entirely powered by uh, hydroelectricity. So uh, very, very cheap, uh, zero carbon emission and works well actually. So uh, uh, that was a very, very fun experience. Uh, so you said that you sold a bunch of companies, including a game company. Um, which of those did you, well, first of all, what was the first one? So my first company was uh, an internet consultancy company that I sold to a Swedish company and then started a gaming company, um, which went public in Paris. And then I started a third company, which I sold to Gameloft. If, you know, if for people who know, follow the, the gaming industry, Gameloft is, is one of the largest uh, mobile gaming company. And I sold it in 2018. And the funny story is that I was at a, when you sell a company, you know, sometimes you have what you call, you have what you call a lockup. I had to wait three years, um, yep. uh, uh, after, you know, after selling and, and after three years, that was December, 2021. I was, I was on my way to have like some kind of sabbatical in 2022. Uh, but then, then, you know, the founders of the sandbox called me and they say, why, why don't you join us instead? And I, you know, literally in days, I said, you know, put aside my sabbatical plans and, and move from New York to Los Angeles, where I started the, uh, the so, U.S. operations. For so, the so you got pretty excited about this idea when you heard it. You, you upended your life and moved across the country. What what yeah. was the what was it about the idea that was so powerful that a couple of days after uh, hearing about it, you made this kind of life changing decision or lifestyle decision? Yeah. But well, I was board member at the time, so I really oh, I, I, I got access to. So you knew what you, you were know, getting the, yourself the into. traction. <laughs> I mean, somehow, but I, I saw the traction. I saw the numbers. I saw the the the, the phenomenal traction. And I, you know, talking to the founders and reading in the press, I saw the vision, the ambition, and the potential for this. Uh, and and really got me excited. And yeah, decided to 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 jump in uh, in in uh, early twenty two. So um, because Sandbox is so tied to a crypto economy, um, has the variate, you know, the wild gyration in values uh, affected you? How do you navigate around that? So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's called the, the, the bear market, right, in, in, yep. in, uh, um, in, in, in economic terms. And um, it's not fun because, you know, people are a bit yeah. <laughs> gloomy and, and we had better, better times like maybe a year ago. Uh, but I mean, I've been in the crypto space for a while and it's, it's not my first crypto winter as we call it or bear market, <laughs> yeah. probably not the last and we have to live with this. Uh, so it hasn't, it has affected the, 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 the environment and, and, and 
but it hasn't really affected us as a company for many reasons. First of all, players and users, they don't really care that much. So we see, we haven't seen an impact right. on, on usage on the one hand. And we haven't seen an impact either from big brands and celebrities still wanted to join uh, the sandbox and, and metaverse in general. So we haven't been directly impacted a lot. Uh, and, uh, you know, we have enough money in the bank. We are really focusing on building and proving mm -hmm. the product, make it, make it more fun, attracting more users, attracting more creators. Uh, so, so far, so far, so good. And what is the value proposition for for builders aside from sort of owning uh, a little piece of uh, the sandbox? Um, are those builders looking at a lot of different platforms or do they settle on one and kind of colonize it? I mean, I think you have all of all of those. I mean, some some creators really want to focus only on the sandbox because they love it and and they like the style, they like the community, they like the, you know, what they can do with us and some others will want to work across multiple uh, uh metaverse which is you know both of, of both are fine i think the value proposition is beyond the ownership and the freedom that those creators have uh, also the economic you know uh, uh value is much more interesting for them because mm -hmm. we are our commission rate is only five percent so 95 percent of the proceeds of what you make as a creator you know, comes back to you. And if you compare this to other big marketplaces, it is very, very competitive. Uh, so you guys have had a lot of success selling land, uh, really just yes. from the beginning, which which has always, always fascinated me. Um, mm -hmm. First of all, does, you know, how land works in Second Life? It's like buying a condo. Yes, you mm -hmm. buy the land, but if you build a really nice condo, you pay more in condo fees every month. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you own it, but you also rent it. Yes. Uh, so so does Sandbox do it that way? You've had pe very high profile people buying land. No, we, we don't do it that way. Once you buy the land, you do. we don't have like a tax. We don't have like fees or renting or anything. And I can build as an elaborate, as, uh, uh, as, as poly-intensive uh, an environment as I want there without paying. Exactly. Anything. So you have... Yeah, I can see how that all, would have, be very attractive. So first of all, we have, we decided as opposed to other metaverse, we decided to have a finite amount of land. We have exactly or roughly 166,000 plot of land. Every plot is about 2.5 acres. Uh, and so altogether, the sandbox, seen from an avatar's perspective, we are slightly bigger than Los Angeles or about the size of London, mm -hmm. roughly. So if you were to work around. Uh, and, and people very quickly, they, they really, I mean, brands and individuals and companies, they understood the value of having a finite amount of land. And uh, it's a bit like, you know, buying a land, you know, in Manhattan or Hong Kong mm -hmm. or Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. They don't just, you know, at, well, at one point, they don't expand forever. So now that's a, that's a really, really interesting question because it brings to mind, uh, well, first of all, let me ask you about navigation. And again, I apologize for not doing more homework on the sandbox. Um, but how do I get around in the sandbox? Can I teleport? Can yes, I go to Matthews Island from wherever yeah. I am? Or does it? Yeah, yeah, you can't. So, no, so you I don't walk teleport. around. You don't wander around like from yeah. from one end to another. Yeah. Not yet. Probably going to come a bit later. But right now, you teleport. So you land into what we call a hub, and you just it's like the imagine it's like a homepage if you I were see. to use so, like a, so and then being, from there you can go. So the real value is adjacency to a hub. Yes. Yeah. 
It's also, we have neighborhood. So the value is that A, it's finite, but at the end of the day, the value of a land is really the, what you can make out of it, what kind of experiences you can build on top of it and how you can monetize on top of it. Because uh, 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 the value of the land itself is, is you know, uh, I wouldn't say zero, but uh, uh, it's really what you make out of it. So uh, um, people are buying lands to build something, whether it's a game, whether it's a concert, whether it's a social experience, whether it's, you know, uh, uh, it could be a fashion show, it can be a concert, can be a mini game. I mean, anything you want. Uh, so the value is really what you make out of it at the end of the day. But meanwhile, anybody can visit the sandbox, make an avatar, and visit yes. the different worlds that have been built. You don't have to buy sand or land no. or anything. It's free to join. And exactly. I imagine that most of the visitors are free, right? Exactly. Most of the vast majority of, of the visitors are entirely, you know, for free. You only need to pay if you want to buy something like you know buying an item in a mobile game for example sure or if you're a creator you have to buy a piece of land and then you build something so the piece of land i think the smallest plot as i said is 2.5 acres and i think it goes for uh maybe roughly a thousand dollars right now uh and you well, that's quite a bargain when you cost. consider when you consider you had jp morgan of all companies signing up yes. when it was a couple of million dollars yeah, I mean, no, I mean, the, the, the price of the land depends on the size of the plot. So you can, if you have 2.5 acres, it's about, you know, uh, roughly $1,000. But some companies or some people have much, much bigger plots. Oh, I, I see. The biggest, so they, they, the might biggest buy, they may might buy, you know, 10 square miles. Yeah, I think the biggest you can buy is, is about the size of Central Park in New York City. So that gives <laughs> you an idea. And, and this this can go for, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And also the price is impacted by the neighborhood or who you're close to. If but you're once I buy Central Park, I can put skyscrapers there and rent apartments to anybody I want. You could, you could. We have a we have a limit on in a high limit uh, and a high uh, limit. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because we don't want people to build like you know a thousand miles high, you know, skyscraper. It wouldn't be nice for the experience. So well, since it's like Los Angeles where I live, what I really want is a helicopter to get around. <laughs> Yeah, you could, you could. I mean, you can <laughs> teleport, basically. So you go back to the yeah. hub and you say, oh, I want to go to this land and boom, here you are. So in a world where you're teleporting around, is being adjacent to somebody like um, Atari or uh, the celebrity, you have uh, Paris Hilton uh, and other celebrities, and there is proximity to them valuable? I mean, in people's mind, yes. And, and uh, um you know, like in in uh, in real estate, real real estate in in the physical world. I mean, you can be a, you know, if you live in in the hills in Los Angeles, you can be neighbor to you know a celebrity, but you will right. actually never really see them. Right. But it's still <laughs> valuable. Uh, right. And and I think you know, uh, I think it's very very much follows what you you see in the real life. So you're based in Los Angeles because I'm talking to you in the UK, but you're yeah, I, I was based in LA. No, I, I'm I'm traveling around the world at the moment. But I was I was in LA before, yeah. And are you coming back to LA? Uh, from time to time, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, well, hopefully we'll see you here on your next visit. Yeah, uh, Matthew, I love LA. Yeah, Matthew, it has been a pleasure speaking with you today. Uh, congrats on the success of the Sandbox, and uh, looking forward to watching it grow into a thriving metaverse with millions of visitors and a uh, very valuable currency. So. Well, uh, Charlie, thank you very much. It was, was a pleasure to be here today. 
Um, okay, great. Well, hopefully we'll have you and Sebastian back and I would love to see you in LA on your next visit. Thanks again. Have a great weekend, everybody.